0: Started saw Treaded Podcast. Oh.
1: The Celtics Spreader podcast. My name is Ben Vallis, aka Riddle Gash. Thank you for joining us. I hope you're doing well. Also with us from up there in beautiful Newcastle, Australia, it's Jackson, aka Rickman Lives. Jackson, how's things, buddy? Hello, Ben. I'm well. I'm well. I'm feeling good again. I guess you can tell, but um, I'm glad. <laughs> all right. All right. Thank you for asking. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I think we're all feeling pretty good after that game three. Uh, and of course, Someone else is looking good with the uh, the nice collar popping up over the uh, the sweater there, Joe from across the Tasman there in New Zealand, aka No Scroats McFly. Joe, how's it going? Not
0: too bad. The uh, the corporate wear indicates that I just got home from work. Very uh, professional.
2: Yeah, yeah. It looks like something Brad Stevens would wear. Uh,
0: yeah, I definitely have a <laughs> yeah. very Brad Stevens vibe. Uh, with the dress sense I'm for it um, nice very one. <laughs> conservative very conservative dress I, I'm an accountant in a rural New Zealand town
1: uh, there's not
0: <laughs> not a lot of room for purple
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm loving it well, look, the Celtics, three games into the Eastern Conference Finals now and finally get a win on the board, the 117-106 win against the Miami Heat. Three wins away from the NBA Finals, two losses away from going home. Guys, starting generic here, going broad. How has the series so far measured up to your expectations going in?
0: fortunately mm. fortunately all all record of my um my takes prior to the series <laughs> seems to have been destroyed i don't know what you're talking about what
2: <laughs> I, I thought i, I, I thought i, I that episode but I, I
0: must have been a dream my bad we did have a good chat <laughs> funnily enough i actually like obviously for the record um good people uh, i predicted the celtics in five um i don't it's funny obviously i'm wrong like obviously we are clearly not going to win in five. I don't actually feel any different about the prediction though. Like okay. I like I, we've lost games, you know, um, but I still feel like man. The panic coming from Bill Simmons was embarrassing to me, man. I'm, mm. He was I, panicking I, I, before the series he, to be fair. He, though. Well, yeah, but. Like, saying stuff like Miami's the better team. Now, I saw a really good stat. Did you guys see this one? Sean Grandy tweeted this out. Tell see if you've anticipated this. So he said, he said, like, oh, what, someone asked him the question, hey, what percentage of the time have the Celtics been leading um, th- these games? And it was, like, 75%. Yeah, right. Like, like hmm. you don't do that if you're just hanging on. Um, you know, you do that, you know, look, Miami 100% deserve to win those games. But it's not like they weren't extremely, extremely winnable, you know, from mm. the Celtics' perspective. So I don't feel differently. I think we're a better team so and I still predict us to win. I would not be surprised if we run the table the rest of the way. At the same time, you know, when you're down twos up, it, it's, it's a hard road to come back. And I wouldn't be surprised if we lost in seven or six. Yeah. yeah look,
2: the, the margin Sorry. for error is obviously far um, less now. Yeah. Um, that we are still down, uh, by a game, but, um, where it measures up in terms of expectations broadly, like, well, I expected to see Gordon Haywood come back and make a difference. Um, and we got our first glimpse of this too. So that's going to continue for the rest of the, se- the series now. Um, I thought, fo- I didn't think we would be seeing, uh, any glimpse of Enos Cantor or whatsoever, but, um, you know, that's a, a surprise and sometimes a pleasant one. Um, but no, I, I I thought we'd be up at least. I thought we'd probably be two one up rather than two one down. But um, I mean, given we're coming off a win, I'm much more optimistic about it than I was definitely a couple of days ago.
1: Yeah, I didn't expect the uh, the late game uh, like lack of efficiency and, and, and lack of dedication there from from our guys to be such a glaring aspect of, of these losses.
0: <laughs> have you been watching the? Have you been watching our team this year? Well, yeah, <laughs> I have been,
1: and I, I know that Brooklyn like... loss, man, yeah. that's where it started. <laughs> I, I am colored by my fandom here. Absolutely. But uh, I just didn't expect them to let that uh, influence the way they play down the stretch in the Eastern Conference Finals. I guess I just I, I suppose I assumed that given the the stakes here that they would step it up and play a full 48. Um, but that hasn't been the case. And the the heat, for whatever reason, seemed to play their best basketball in the last five minutes of games. And like sticking with game three here. Uh, it was a real butt-clenching, torturous time there in these last few minutes where the, the Heat came back um, and nearly stole another one from us. Um, can you tell me what was going through your mind at that point in Game 3 when you thought, you know, perhaps the Celtics are going to drop yet another game here? I wasn't panicking really. I, I, I felt good about the game the whole way. I
2: felt like there was a different energy. There was that desperation that was, you know, evident and we were being aggressive. Um, we were seeing big performances from, from Jalen Brown, Kemba and, um, Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart, you know, in in there at the end too. So like they all had over 20 points. Like I can't remember the last time uh, that happened. So I felt good the whole way, but yeah, like undoubtedly, you know, you get that they go on that mini run uh, Tatum's uh, offensive foul on um, Duncan Robinson. And then they had, they stopped the play forever and that felt like that moment went on for about five years. Um, But I still didn't feel like it was, we were going to get Toronto or OG and beat again. I I did feel like we'd hang on and like, uh, thankfully the execution was like pretty clutch for once anyway. So
1: it was fine.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, when a team gets down by, like, when once it starts getting to, like, they're down by 15 with five minutes left, the other team has to play perfect. They have to have everything go their way, right? And once you get to that sort of a lead, like, you just got to remember the other team has no margin for error. So even though, yeah, naturally it feels nervous when they close it to six after, what was it, 50 seconds left when that, mm-hmm. when that foul was? Yeah. They've still got to play perfect to close it, you know? like. I was nervous because I'm a fan, but at the same time, like if the shoe was on the other foot, I would be not too optimistic about us winning. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. if, if if you were a Heat fan, you wouldn't be that optimistic about closing a six point gap after mm. a few after having your honestly having quite a lot of luck. Um, cool. Like those offensive foul calls were kind of, were kind of lucky. You know, like, mm. um, yeah. So so I wasn't like beside myself but yeah it was more uncomfortable and also I wanted the game to finish quickly because I had some stuff to do <laughs> <laughs> like celebrate winning yeah. uh had you guys
1: heard of this time the prevent offense before I had never heard of it until uh, I guess this series with the heat which you know based on what we're talking about the, the Celtics tendencies throughout the season so far you'd think I would have heard of it a lot sooner I'm confused as to why it's called a prevent offense. I know in theory, the concept is that you're preventing the other team from, from getting points in the limited amount of time that they've got. But really for the Celtics, it seems to be that they're just preventing themselves from continuing hmm. to be competent uh, basketball players yeah. individually it's, and as a team.
0: It's an NFL thing, right? Like a prevent defense. We hmm. just have a really, really sit back, really conservatively send everyone back. Like I think it's one of the Hail Marys. Hmm. Like they yeah. They have a taking a knee which you can't
1: do in uh yeah. you know in a live <laughs> game of basketball unfortunately um but it's very it's very frustrating they prevent themselves from winning and in the case of the first two games the other way i look, look at it is the prevent offense in which it's pre uh my venting about how annoyed i am with the celtics <laughs> after the game uh but had you guys heard of this concept at all before this series no it sounds like a it seems like a contrarian
2: way of just saying defense, you know, I'm preventing the offense. So by defending, but no, I, I didn't realize it was a thing. I knew there was a thing, such a thing as, as ISOing it until there's like five seconds on the clock and then doing something but I didn't realize it had a, a, a two word term.
0: I do wonder what a true, like, t- taking the knees kind of twig, made things twig for me, and mm. I, I think a 24-second violation is just such an underrated turnover. <laughs> like it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's never really that bad in a, in a game. You know, I wonder if you get up, you know, if you're up by 15 with three minutes left, if you do, just go into the half court and just hold the ball. You know, yeah. well, it's four corners, eh? You know, I suppose you bring can, Shammy in. You are giving them the next, like, timeouts and stuff. But, forgot about yeah. that. So you can't yes. just hold the ball for twenty twenty four seconds. But that would be in, in you know, in theory, just just taking the shot clock out and the teams and the team is always trying to attack against a set defense. Because is what happens, eh? They get a rebound, there's a turnover, they can score quickly. You just can't score quickly against a dead ball turnover.
2: Mm. I don't know if you guys watch much rugby league, but like since they changed the rules about kicking it dead in the in goal, less teams are kicking into the in goal. They're just getting tackled like on the six tackle right at the one meter line. Cause then they restart there instead of on the 20. And it's just, right. it, it's a it's a no, noticeable
1: like mentality, like shift in, in teams and stuff. So yeah, it, that just tweaked my memory of that as well too. Got to send Brad Stevens the, the rugby league tapes, get him on the right side of the prevent offense because it's it not working the, at the moment. The three
2: of us got some sort of rugby cricket, rugby league, sort of mastermind tactician and universal playbook and sent it to him. Um, I think Banner 18 would be a certainty.
1: <laughs> Let's get right on that. Um,
0: <laughs> so obviously brain, game three. Brain, It's all about completing your six to six. <laughs> <laughs> That's, right. That's right. Bring, <laughs> Bring out the forty twenties every now
1: and then. <laughs> at least expect it. Game three obviously was a lot better than than the previous two games, in that the, the Celtics strung uh, more consistent, dominant stretches together. And like we said earlier, played maybe forty three minutes of this game um, with Ticker. Um, but what, like, getting into the nitty, nitty gritty, what about Game three stood out to you compared to the previous two games in terms of what the Celtics did to get this done?
0: Well, at, at that run we had at the end of the second quarter. Um it just felt like we were able to knock them over right eh? like I felt like we weren't getting anything called against us, which is really nice and when we get out and we we're in, you know when we're making turnovers we're 's when we make our real runs um, it always feels good it 's just good to see us playing aggressively and um yeah I, I it was hard to imagine us losing this game we just we just absolutely couldn't lose it you know mm-hmm. um so uh, It was hard to to read too, too much into it at the same time as well. Um, Yeah, like, I I guess I feel about the same about our team in the series as I did before. Yeah. Before the series, Uh, to be honest. Now that
2: we've seen, it wasn't a must-must-win game. I mean, it was for all intensive purposes being Mm. 3-0. down. we know the Yeah, exactly. But we saw them in a mass win situation and we saw what the mentality was like and what the execution was like. So even if we were to lose the next game, for example, down three, one, like it could just be the Denver Nuggets experience, but you know, from Boston. So, um, it, it hasn't, my optimism is probably immeasurably greater since, um, the win Even So obviously you don't want to go three, one down. I feel that would be the death sentence realistically, but now that we can see that they can do it when it really matters, if I feel like we're in those situations going forward, then we could, you know, it could be a big picture comeback. Miami has had lots of little comebacks, you know, in the context of games. Maybe we have the big series comeback. I feel that would be a, a nice, a nice narrative if it comes true.
1: Yeah, I, I hope you're right. Sorry. sorry, Joe. After you. No, no,
0: you
1: have me. I was just going to say, I hope you're right because two-two uh, feels good, and suddenly we enter into a into a, th- a best of three series. But three-one. Uh, You start to feel like, you know, with Gordo's baby coming up, which we'll we'll get to and, uh, you know, Deuce Tatum in the bubble. And I would imagine getting a little frantic there as as a young bloke, the idea of maybe, okay, you know, we're eliminated after one more game. I don't know. Maybe I'm selling the guy short here, but I, I can start to see a pathway you know, out quickly when they're down three, one, whereas two, two, again, you know, there's a lot of momentum behind them of like, okay, we've recovered from that, um, that early stumble. And and now we can get back into things and and get to the finals from here. Um, so three, one doesn't leave me with a lot, a lot of confidence going forward, unfortunately, but you, you guys know me well, I I tend to stress (laughs) in, in less, uh, damaging situations. It's a stressful environment, man.
0: Yeah. yeah. Can I make a quick point about something that's I've got I've got a I've got a bone to pick. I've got something that's just been getting on my goat. And it's this I saw a stat cited that if a team goes up 2-0 in the playoffs, they win uh like 89% of the time. Mm-hmm. Doesn't that sound foreboding? Doesn't that sound it ominous. Mm-hmm. Well, it shouldn't. Here's mm-hmm. why. There is such a, a there is zero context to that stat. I real I just it just hit me in the shower. I was like, hang on a second. That's including the series where the Bucks go up two nil on the Pistons in twenty nineteen, right? Mm-hmm. Like you need you if you were if you were, to, if you were to filter it down for conference finals, right? Okay, and you were to say okay every time a series goes every time someone goes up two nil, what's the comeback percentage there? Guarantee it's higher. If you do something else, like maybe take teams and, and like wait it for like you you know if you say they were sort of even favourites, like if there was relatively even money being bet on them before the series, and a team goes up two nil, I guarantee you, I guarantee you the odds of that team winning uh, coming back to win are so much higher. Yeah. Like they're not going to be more than half. Like two nil still a it's, it's still a really material lead. We know it, guys. Like, how many times have we been up 2-0 and we were absolutely sweating bullets by game yeah. seven? I agree, it, would look, yep.
2: it would look much different if it was 2-0 on the road versus 2-0 at home, I think, as well, too. I think that would play a part.
0: Like, yeah, whether, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, it, it probably would. But, but my point is, like, and it, it, it sort of bears out now because, you see, we're, we're, we're definitely, like, this team is not, Miami's not scary. You know, they're really good and they can beat us, but they're not scary. That you, when you go down 2-0... It's really likely that you're going to be two-one after game three, super likely. And here we are, and we're a game away from tying it. And then all of a sudden, like the, the predictions about what about you know what happens when it's 2-0 are irrelevant because you've got a two-two series. You know, it's just a yeah. totally different character.
1: Yeah. I'd love to see what those stats are. Um, you know, when a a team that is the lower seed goes up two nil and then how often they actually go on to win the series, just sort of piggybacking off what you were saying there, Joe, because I would imagine that'd be much closer to
2: 50%. We've done
1: it. It's another Jimmy Butler team before. That's right. There's an omen. I was there. I was in Boston. Flew a long way to see the Celtics lose back-to-back games one and two <laughs> in the first round of the playoffs. So much so that I had to fly to Chicago for game six and see them tie up the series. So it all worked out. But absolutely, you're right, Jackson. We, we can come back against Jimmy Butler. The, the blueprint is there. Brad Stevens himself has done it. Um, Jay Crowder was involved, albeit under very different circumstances. <laughs> um, sticking sort of with Jay Crowder and, and back with game three, there were the two sort of glaring... Uh, differences that stood out to me. One was that we stuck Kemba Walker pretty much full time on Jay Crowder defensively, and we were able to to hide him there. I think Jay Crowder shot two of ten from the floor, or maybe from three, uh, and Kemba was kind of safe there guiding Jay, which was nice. Uh, and on the other end, the Celtics were just attacking the shit out of Duncan Robinson. Uh, and in a way, it sort of culminated with the the Jalen elbow swipe. Flagrant foul because <laughs> mm-hmm. there were other instances, for instance, where Smart posted up Robinson, and in the slow mo replays, like there were some swinging bows that like, you could see that Marcus Smart was hunting him in terms of a, a mismatch, but also like kind of going at him very, very aggressively and and like freaking him out a little bit with with his physicality. And the rest of the team were really all piling on there. Paul Duncan Robinson, he seems like a nice guy. We saw that weird. I don't know if you saw the the core workout interview with him like prior to the game where they were interviewing him like behind the curtain while he was doing like, yeah, like yoga stretches. ball workouts and stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Never seen weird. anything like that. It was so, so strange. But um anyway, all for nothing, because he goes on to get pummeled by pretty much every member of the Celtics. There's a really good video I sent to you guys earlier and it was posted to the subreddit earlier today by half court hoops and they go into how like depending on who Robinson switched onto or how he switched i e high side or low side that would dictate which option the Celtics went to out of that set um, so if you haven't seen the video, check it out. It, it demos like both team strategy better than any other content. you're going to find out there. It really is good if you're into X's and O's and, um, like, if you need that conveyed to you visually, like for me, that's really helpful. Um, there was some other cool stuff on how, like, because the heat switch everything, the Celtics were just generating switches until it ended up with Adebayo, like brought out onto the perimeter, which allowed the Celtics to drive into very little rim protection and with a good tie seal because Adebayo's already out of the paint. So they're bringing Bam out of the paint. Then they're packing Daniel Tice down there, sealing off on a much smaller player, which is allowing this penetration by guys like Jalen Brown, who we'll get to in a second, Led to 60 points in the paint by the Celtics to Mm. 36 Miami points in the paint. Um, Those are the the two key differences there. Definitely check out that video if you want that illustrated to you better than I I was just able to describe it. Um, But it's very glaring, the differences there offensively and defensively in terms of the strategic changes by the Celtics. Jalen Brown, who I just touched on, 69% of his uh points in the paint were assisted. So the Celtics navigating the zone in terms of that penetration, but also the playmaking into that penetration was a huge difference. And who can we say was responsible for that? Yes, everyone was involved, but one Gordon Hayward returned to the team and is staying in the bubble um as long as the team is. Um we talked about what the differences were between game three and the prior two games, guys. What did Gordon Haywood bring to the table as far as you're concerned? I just didn't have to rely on guys like semi-osulay as much, you know, no <laughs> disrespect to the guy, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's an
2: obvious, obvious um, upgrade. I felt like he, his first stint, he only played like about 45 seconds. He just, he ran, 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 and then he was subbed out. And I was like, oh, okay, so it's going to be like one of those games. Guy ends up playing 30 minutes. So in an East conference finals against a team like the heat. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's pretty tremendous as far as I'm concerned. Um, is you know, a pretty funny stat line was at six, five, four, three. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that's a, that's just, that just sounds sexy to say. Um, and yeah, and he was, and he was just great, you know, it, and hearing like mid game, um, when Rachel Nichols announced it, that he was going to be staying in the bubble. I just, it came out of nowhere. I just, I, I thought it had been confirmed that he would go home. So when I heard, it, I just started like just, just clapping because I just, I, it, it was such a, a surprise. And, um, I think it's probably going to uh, lift the team up as well too, knowing that he's, he's here to stay.
0: I thought he was just made really timely plays like the, the ones that stick out with that three really late in the shot clock. And, um, and he had a really great outlet pass on a fast break, which is in that highlight video that's playing behind your head. <laughs> um, that, 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 both of those are just huge pressure release ones. Um, I, for me though, I'm sort of like you, you really couldn't have given us this like for game two. You really couldn't have given us th- this for game one. Um, I'm kind of recycling something that also got destroyed Um, in the last recording but um, yeah I I sort of I think man this is why like our window is just we just have a crack that we may not ever get again and and that's why I wanted him to come back if he can help us at all I felt he should have been back but the flip side is that's why they're doing this right like this I think his family understand that This really is a once in a lifetime thing, you know. (laughs) And um, maybe, maybe your kid's being born isn't as important as doing something really significant, (laughs) putting it all on the line. (laughs) Yeah, you know, like so. So, I guess, I guess, I sort of see that as as maybe a um. This decision, it's it's in a way, it almost like runs counter to his decision to stay out. (laughs) <laughs> for those last for those last couple of games um I thought I thought he should have been playing I guarantee he could have helped us man
2: yeah. I mean, he probably had a lot of time to think about it. Like when he was at home, like with his family and watching it, watching it on TV, like, I mean, I don't know what was going through his head either, but um, I mean, as far as like his actual injury is concerned, like, yeah, he, pro- he probably could have done that for game two to be perfectly honest. But I think if he's a human being, I think there was part of his mind is like, if I come back, like if, if I'll come back when they really need me, because if, you know, they just happen to go down. If we, if I come back and, and I'm, and I suck and we're down three, nothing, then, you know, I can go home for the birth anyway. But if, if I'm good, then you know i'm I'm, put, I'm putting a lot of like like it, it, like thought into my character in head here i don't know if this is how it would have gone <laughs> yourself, down do you know, do you know what i mean it's, it's going to like if we go down it would- i'm going to be home next like in the few days anyway so yeah. yeah and definitely like the quarantine and the bubble thing like plays a massive part in it i think if it was just a regular series he could just fly in fly out it would be like it would miss nothing so that definitely you know changes things
1: Yeah, I kind of got the impression they were hoping to steal the game without Hayward, and then, you know, if it got dire, kind of like you touched on there, Jackson, then they would bring him back, and, Mm -hmm. you know, going down 2-0 in the Eastern Conference Finals. Sufficiently dire for Matt. 100%. Yeah, Yeah. and, you know, when he checked into the game in Game 3, you know within 30 seconds, he had that, that pocket pass, that zone busting. He got into the teeth of the defense, and that pocket pass into Tice, which I feel like only Gordon Hayward, maybe Marcus Smart, the only two guys on the team who can throw that pass, just that like pass that could easily be a kickball violation um, just in through the slither of space into Denny T. Um, And then you continue to sort of bring that, you know, that fundamental style game to to the core that we don't see from anyone else, particularly from the playmaking aspect. So um, very welcome to see that. Apparently he was gassed. I guess you could tell by the look on his face throughout some portions of the game. But um, in terms of that heat zone defense, which has been a big problem for the Celtics and, and teams prior in the playoffs, uh, Gordo was a huge ingredient in terms of the overall recipe, I think, um, for us to, to deal with that. Here's a question for you guys. What has to happened... Now for your verdict on Hayward's contract to change, let me pepper something on top of that question. Like, is this the first counterpunch from Gordon Hayward in terms of like hardcore Celtics fan perception of him and his contract? Cause it feels a little bit of a sacrifice for him to be like, well, I'm actually going to miss the birth of my child or be fourth child to be here for this team that I've missed out on being for here for, for on so many times past, if that makes any sense.
0: Hmm. Well, I think his his like his contract in, in the aggregate has pro, has provided negative value, uh, in my view. But um, that's a sun, there's a sunk there's a sunk cost right now, right? You know, sure. Like but, you know, um, <clears throat> I'm like, I'm a Gordon Hayward fan. I swear. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope he has a moment. Um, is this is this the first time he's been able to contribute something significant? Um, to the Celtics, I guess so. Like last. He had a big game against Milwaukee in game one last year from memory um, but yeah other than that he really hasn't had a time to do much in high leverage situations
2: yeah I, I think the, the the question of like whether his contract was was worth it money wise yeah is, is kind of just null and void at this point because yeah, it, it wasn't he didn't play for an entire season you know under completely understandable and acceptable circumstances, but he didn't play an entire season. So um, look, sure. If if we end up winning the title um, and he hits like a buzzer beater to, to win it. And it's like, you know, that Butler scene, uh, but instead they win. um, And it's just like one of the biggest basketball fairy tales ever. Then sure. You could say that contract was a hundred percent worth it. If he played like one game, his entire career, and it was that with the Celtics, it would be worth it. But um, no, I don't think it's, you're going to ever be able to like reconcile the cost that he, he, he came for.
1: Okay, so say if they go on to win the next three games, they go to the finals and they lose in seven to the Lakers is hypothetically is his contract then suddenly a net net positive because that's that's as far as you can go without going all the way. Does that make the whole Hayward ordeal worthwhile knowing that he was integral in the end to, to getting us there? Depends how he plays. If he's crap, then it's <laughs> terrible. If he plays really, really well and he's, un- and he's un- we're un-
2: unlucky to lose, then, yeah, that's a different thing altogether. But, you know, it's too hard to say for mine.
0: I mean, I guess you got to also consider, you know, what was the opportunity cost for us of Gordon Hayward? It was uh, from memory. It um, was giving up Linux and Avery Bradley. Um, and Avery Bradley turned into Marcus Morris was pretty good anyway. Mm. Um, well, good for us at least you do it again, 10 times out of 10, knowing all that you could know in the sum, you know, in July, 2017, right? Like you, you would always, you would always sign him. Um, It's just that it's, you know, he's basically, he was out for an entire year. He wasn't good last year and he's been out for really important portions of time this year. So if you're doing a strict cost benefit, like like if you're doing a strict accounting and then like, it's pretty hard from, it's, would it be worth it if he made one big shot? Um, like from an accounting perspective, probably not, you know, but, <laughs> the $120 million yeah. shot. <laughs> yeah. You know, but, but, you know, as a fan, um, will I think of him? you know, will I, Will he be a Celtic hero? Maybe. If that's kind of what you're getting at, you know? And it's not
2: like the Celtics are going to go out of business. It wasn't like that was a catastrophic financial failure that's crippled, like, you know, the the very fabric of the business forever. You know, we'll get over it. We'll be okay.
1: Yeah, well, look, he was certainly a hero in this game and I'm very thankful that he's back despite everything um, and all the occasions where he has not been present in the past uh, since signing with the Celtics. I'm very happy that he was here for this game because he definitely made a huge difference. Um, Reddit user 3 yhxdnu 2 not an easy username to read out, said, we had 27 assists on 41 field goals, which is an awesome assist to field goal ratio do feel like while Heywood only had five or four of those, I haven't got his, his stat line up in front of me. Um, he had a lot of hockey assists in this game and he was penetrating that zone such that we were able to make the extra pass or two to get open looks. Um, like one Haywood assist that does come to mind is that baseline drive late and the dish out to Kemba in the sort of the far right corner from the viewer's perspective, hit that very timely three to sort of put the game out of reach, I guess for the heat there in the end. And like, do we have a playmaker of that caliber who can make that pass to Kemba in that location without Haywood there? Probably not. So yeah, I'm just, I'm just relieved really because I was starting to get super bummed out with how the series was playing out. Now Hayward's back and I'm starting to feel confident again, even though we are still down um, one game just to move on. User artist rabid writes, I think the seas must've exercised all their demons with that argument after game two, which we haven't touched on, do you think the team blow up guys, the, the drama in the locker room there had much to do with the the sort of shift to this renewed focus and energy from the Celtics or was it overblown?
2: I think it's a hundred percent overblown. I think, I think there was something very, you know, that they, they were obviously yelling at each other and were at it, but like, I think this is just, you know, symptomatic of, of, you know, competitive teams. Like uh, how many times have you heard like this shit come out of like golden state warriors, Um, you know, locker room with Draymond and Kevin Durant and everything like that. You know, say what you will about the personalities of them of those guys versus the Celtics, but it it does it doesn't throw teams like that off. You know, like the good teams, you know, they they take it on board and they get through it. And I think that's precisely what's going on here because I don't think it really like bothers any of them. I think they come to expect it, and I think it's I think maybe the bubble circumstances. No, I was going to say maybe the bubble circumstances makes the media more sensitive to it, but that's probably not the case. I think it's probably just this is something that they're used to, this is something that they expect on something that they've just gotten over on, gotten gotten on with because they're professionals.
0: For me, it's just reflective of their understanding that this is a real opportunity. Like if they'd gone down 2-0 in similar circumstances to the LeBron's Cavs in 2018, <clears throat> I don't think you'd have the same reaction. I don't think that that team really, really truly believed it had a chance. To me, this indicates that there is a level of self-belief about the team. Um, like, that's why they're angry. It's because this is a real opportunity that, you know, they've let two of them slip twice in a row. They've had leads of five plus inside five minutes. I mean, you know, those are golden opportunities. Um, and, you know, they're not opportunities just to advance, they're opportunities to win the whole thing. And they're so rare, man. They're so rare, eh? Um, and it's, it's, it's having a, it's, it, to me, it shows that the team, <laughs> big picture, has a respect for, the, for their opportunity. Yeah, th- absolutely. It may not be evident in yeah. their play sometimes. <laughs>
1: at least at the end of the game, for sure. Um, there was a brief moment sticking with the the chippiness side of things early in game three between Jalen Brown and Jay Crowder, and uh, you know they got into it a little bit. And I love that Jalen. Uh, you know, in the, in the ensuing gameplay, had uh, quite a few alpha moments over Jay Crowder in the end because Jay Crowder is a pretty scary dude, right? And and Jalen Brown really rose to the occasion and he stripped him at half court and got out for a quick bucket at one point. I think he also blocked him at one point too and just kind of dominated Jay Crowder at every opportunity throughout the remainder of the game. Joe, like you talk about ticker from the team and and maybe Jalen Brown at times hasn't always been the player to exhibit that. Um, an example of that would be how he can kind of suck on team defense occasionally and then fall asleep and, and get backdoor cut. Um, and yet throughout this game, in fact, since that terrible game, I think it was game four or five in the Raptors series, Jalen Brown's been great. And I, I feel like that culminated with this going up against Jake Crowder and kind of sticking it to the man in that sense, based on the the chippiness earlier in, in the game there. what do you guys think about that?
0: Love it when he plays aggressive and and that's his strength, right? That's his, it's his, it's his, it's his saving grace as he stays aggressive. Um, and um I think the Celtics feed off that a little bit. You know, if he's engaged and like looking to crack some skulls, I think we're really a better team.
2: Yeah, and, and I think I think those two guys are still very much friends. So I think it's just like it's purely on the court, just alpha competitive shit. So I think I think they probably both enjoy it, you know, getting into it like that too. So um I, I, I can I expect to see it, you know, go on, but never really amount to, you know, anything other than just what we saw.
0: Yeah. Jack so- Crowder still sp- Still tweeting in all caps, by the way. Is <laughs> still <laughs> tweeting? <laughs> That's a good Don't question. Don't follow
2: him, man.
1: <laughs> um we're going to circle back on that one. I'm not sure, but I'd love to know the answer. Uh, Jalen Brown's defense on the Miami heat players in game three. This is posted. It's an NBA central tweet posted by user raw blank, Jimmy Butler, one of four from the field and two turnovers, Duncan Robinson, one of four Tyler hero, one of four Crowder. o oh of one and one turnover and bam at a bio. of one. Um, also Dragic, o oh of one as well. Um, subtext, Jalen Brown is a fucking awesome defender and did really, really well in game three. Uh, one thing we haven't talked about segue is the five leaf clover offense, uh, with, with Kemba Walker as the small in that offense, uh, the end of the second quarter where they started to turn them over a lot and get at it in transition a lot. What is super impressive to me is how Jalen Brown can be the defender competently on guys like Bam Adebayo and it's fine. Uh, and then there are guys like Tatum and Gordon Hayward who can get switched onto Adebayo. Also fine, totally manageable, maybe not in huge long spurts of the game, but certainly in little micro spurts to, to end a quarter well or to end a game well, uh, which we're yet to see. Um, I feel like that was the first time, well, it was, because Gordon's only just come back uh, that we've seen that lineup in the playoffs. Anything jump off the page for you there, guys? Were you like, did you find yourself being like, oh, shit, okay, it's this this lineup. And then what do you think of them overall?
2: Uh, probably, I don't know about like lineups and so much, but like, I mean, the inclusion of Grant Williams again in the fourth was something that like definitely stood out for me. Um, and just having Haywood in there, just seemed to like, like shore up the rotations, like so much better. You didn't feel like we were like dipping into the bench, you know, so much like that little Enos canter cameo that we had at the start, like just to sort of like get some of those, like, you know, stat padding offensive rebounds and, and whatnot in there. Um, it actually, in like little pieces like that, it contributed the whole way. And like on Jalen Brown's defense, man, I think like these these entire playoffs, his defense has really shone. You know, is in the Sixers series, it was definitely evident against Pascal Siakam in the, in the Raptors series. And and if he continues to have that kind of performance, I think it, you know it's going to be. I think we're going to advance.
0: Yeah, I mean anything that um, gets Brad to put his enus away as, as a good thing. <laughs> put your anus <laughs> away,
1: Brad. No one wants to see it. It's just inappropriate. <laughs> there are children watching for God's sake. <laughs> so big, but <bro. laughs> it is a large enus. That's, that's, that's be true about this. <laughs> uh, what else we got here? I'm, I'm kind of running out of notes. I told you guys before we started recording this, I, I did not spend a lot of time preparing for this podcast. I'll blame my nine week old child for that. um, Jason Tatum is probably worth noting eight assists, 14 rebounds and some amount of points in the twenties as well. Brian Rob tweeted out Jason Tatum nearly has more double doubles in 14 playoff games, eight than he did during the entire regular season. 10 which is uh, wild, wild stuff. Maybe you can blame the, the absence of Gordon Hayward for some of that, but um, this passing element to his game, this reliability, which you spoke about uh, earlier in the playoffs is, is really starting to emerge. Now I'm, I'm excited. Any new takes on, on Tatum based on his playoff performance so far? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I, 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 no, I, feel I, exactly I support it.
0: No, I support it. Like he's um he's 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 becoming a more complete player. He's got his flaws. That chicken wing man, he's gotta watch that chicken wing. He, he gets a little off balance, but for for his flaws, and he does have them, he's still a, he's still just a top level producer in the NBA. He just is. And you've got to respect it. He gets it done, man. And um yeah, I I think his playmaking is development is hugely encouraging. Like it's clearly he's he's in a different dimension to what he was uh, earlier in, in, in the season. Yeah.
2: And I feel like he's been solid, but not spectacular. I think before the Celtics are either win this or get eliminated from the playoffs. So we're got, there's going to be a Tatum game that's just going to be like just all headlines and shit. So
0: I hope that's soon. It's also like, it's kind of better to have like, how many 40 point games has Jamal Murray had in the playoffs? Like Four? I'd still yep, rather have row, what Tatum yeah, yeah. Tatum gives us, you know, as awesome as Murray is, I'd rather mm. have what Tatum gives us. say, and consistency, consistency is, has a quality to it all its own, you know, hmm. you can call it a captain's knock. I think if you were captain's Knock. <laughs> there it is again. Genius. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, but it's just a firmer grasp on the game. It feels from, from end to end again, bar the, the final few minutes there. Um, User Lotus Blossom wrote regarding Kemba: Kemba's biggest impact last night was when Hero was going off on us. Brad stuck Kemba on him of all people, and then Hero stopped going off. Kemba fighting through multiple screens and crowding his airspace so we didn't have room to keep shooting was pretty impressive. We talked about Kemba a little bit earlier, uh, and I feel like he's definitely not as bad as he has been earlier in the playoffs. He's got a little bit more room to breathe, and his shot has come in back has come back a little bit. But I wouldn't say he's featuring heavy in the story of the game. Um, he's just kind of a, a reliable cog in the machine. Does that sound fair?
0: Yeah, yeah. It, it does. I think we're, we're – I feel like offensively we're at our best when he's rolling. Um, yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. Those are comfortable games. You know, when Kim is really rolling, it, we, we te- I feel like we tend to win quite comfortably because it's, everything's so easy for everybody when, when he's comfortable.
2: Yeah. I think it's uh, the best version of ourselves is, is when Kemba is just efficient and rolling, but like, you know, it's either a tandem a, a Tatum or a Brown or a smart in some situations who are making like the highlight, you know, like attention grabbing plays and stat lines and whatnot. So yeah, no, uh, Kemba has been, Kemba has been solid. I think he, I think he's, I think he's like struggled a little bit overall in the playoffs. So to see him like have a, like a level out, you know, not level out, that's been one good game, but you know, I think he'll, I think he'll continue.
1: Yeah. No, I hope you're right. Um, Just moving through the rest of our notes here before we wrap this one up. Grant Williams, Joe, in particular, I'm surprised that we've gone 40 minutes without you bringing him up. He's been incredible, right? He comes in towards the end of of game three there, hits a corner three immediately, Uh, great hustle plays there and does well defending Bam and switching out onto the perimeter. Um, And he smashed his mic'd up debut as well. I don't know if you guys caught... Like some of the, the audio
0: from Grant Williams there, but dude it's incredible. Only he? the dude. only the banter with Hayward about the, the mustache. Um, <laughs> that's all I, it was just that was the only thing that was posted to Reddit that I saw. So that was all I had, I had to go with. I love Grant. Um he's a player, man. He's a player. And um he got I love that he got the Draymond Green seal of approval. Um, That made Mm. me feel vindicated
2: Yeah I feel like all of his threes Are going in now too Remember he couldn't hit one To save his life For like the first Year of his career what it seems like And now it's every time He launches it up it'll feel like it's going in
0: I guarantee you He will be a reliable Three point shooter He will be a He'll be a 36% Plus three point shooter In his career I shouldn't guarantee. I bet. I bit. <laughs> it seems highly likely. He's yeah. a reliable. Everything else, for the
1: most part, and you know the fact that the bench now can just be Gordon Hayward and Grant Williams. That can just be our bench. We can play a seven-man lineup. I feel very comfortable with those guys coming off the bench, and the bench has been a glaring issue for the Celtics all year. And suddenly, like those are two guys I trust deeply. And I'm very comfortable with that. And they're both quite versatile in terms of playing out of their positions as well. So suddenly that's looking pretty good for the Celtics. If they do advance to the finals, having those two guys, uh, available, um, I guess that's pretty much all we can spout about game three in the, in the series so far, game four is coming up a bit of a rest for those guys. It's, uh, I guess Wednesday in the U S Thursday in our part of the world, how do you see game four playing out? Are the, are the Celtics going to continue to punch back or is it a little harder to predict than that?
2: I think we might see a game where we don't get out into a big lead. I think we might see something a little bit more akin to like the later series with the Raptors where it was just, it was just a lot closer. Um, but could be wrong. Could, could be very well be we get out, big lead, cuts back again. Maybe we survive, maybe we don't. I expect to see it a lot closer, a lot more for evenly fought throughout.
0: Yeah, I, I expect that um, I expect us to win um, because I think we're better, and I think um, that it's just a regression to the mean for us to win. That said, you know, like you leave, like we're at the point where we don't have a lot of um, we don't have a lot of sample size to throw at this, even if, if we are better. Um, and um, yeah, and and look, if we if we're down three one, I can't say I'll be surprised, but I expect us to win.
1: Yeah, I think I expect us to win too, and I expect it's been very formulaic so far in how games one, two, and three have played out for the most part, except for the ending of game three. I feel like, you know, it might not be particularly good TV, but I feel like the game's going to play out pretty much uh, the same in terms of the rhythm and the pacing of the game. Celtics will get out strong and and build a big lead, gradually lose it throughout the game and (laughs) hang on just to win. (laughs) So it's going to be torturous again for Celtics fans out there. I'll take it, I guess, yeah. Uh, has this series been an? I don't know if it affects you guys the same way as it affects me, but an all time stop and walk away and glance at the result later series. Cause it, it's like a top five playoff series in that sense for me.
0: I feel like I've really been hurting the team with the times that I've <laughs> <laughs> brought, brought the game up on the old phone. <laughs> <laughs> You've know, you started to feel bad about it, eh? It's funny. Yeah,
2: <laughs> it's funny. I actually feel like I'm the inverse because I I watch the first half of both games and, you know, what happens in the third quarter. And then I turn it back on the fourth, hoping I can, like, correct it somehow and it just never seems to happen. So, no, I haven't, like, fully walked away yet, but um, it, it's, it's got that icky, I just want it to be over and I hope for the best sort of feeling. Yeah.
0: Mm. Got to enjoy it, guys. There'll be a few twists left in this tale. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right, and it only gets worse, right? Hypothetically, if the Celtics do make it to the finals, if this, if you think this feels bad, and you know, again, hypothetically, if they happen to be playing the Lakers, that's going to feel really, really bad. Um, but <laughs> potentially really great if they prevail. So a long way between now and then, but uh, very exciting. Uh, all right, I think that's going to do it for this one. Thank you for tuning in. We've got a few days here to bask in the glory of that Game Three victory before a very important Game Four on Wednesday in the US or Thursday if you live around. Here, like we said earlier, Jackson and Joe, love your work, guys. Thanks again. Thanks for having us, man. Jeez, mate. Okay, until next time. Go Celtics.
0: Peace. See ya. Uh huh. Hiking in the sun, the happiness that you mourn. You know the kids still dance, so we supply all the songs. If I'm wrong, you hit the snooze.